Everybody doing good? Did you meet somebody you didn't know before? You say hello to somebody? Where are my single people at? Anybody got a anybody got a number or something? Kidding, kidding, kidding. Joking, seriously, church. I met my wife at church while I was serving in church. I'm telling you, out there, join a crew, find a spouse. It's good. God is good. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's good. All right, I'm going to quit drinking water, and we're going to get down to more business. Tonight's been incredible. This series of talks that we've been in has been incredible. And I say series of talks because of this. Actually, well, Kelsey, what was that word you told me tonight? Or that tonight, uh, earlier this week? Somebody described church to you as a... Speak and, how do you say it? Call and response. Apparently call and response is a term in church, and I've been pastoring for 10 years, and I have no idea that that's a thing, but I was in the South, so that's just kind of how the South is, and then we were in Grand Haven for a minute. That's how Grand Haven's not, but that's how takeover is, right? (laughs) Sorry, Grand Haven. Uh, We love you. But apparently we're a call and response church, and so when I say we're in a collection of talks right now, please don't be silent. Please don't just sit there. Engage. Engage with me. Engage with your neighbor. Engage with God because, man, God has something to say to us tonight. And and often I think that we miss things if we're just sitting here and enduring church. But let's enjoy. So if I say something that you like, you can can yell back at me, say amen if you want to keep it classy. If not, you can say holla. I don't care. But just talk and enjoy tonight because God is to be enjoyed. Does that sound good? Fantastic. Because we are in a series, my man, with the claps. We're in a series right now called Built for the Wild. And because I see some new faces, I'm going to break that down real quick. So in the first week, we talked about urgency in the wild and how we have to live with urgency. Well, first let me tell you what the wild is. The wild is anywhere and anywhere your feet touch. Why? Because it is 2018 and Grand Rapids is different than it was even two years ago. Our lives are different than it was a week ago. Things are completely always changing. People come and go. Systems change. Elections happen. Whatever. All sorts of things take place. In the world, I, I reckon if, if, if you're with me, and I'm not a realist uh, necessarily, I just think I got a health, kind of a healthy measure of how things look. I think if we all uh, could come together around this, the world is changing, right? It changes all the time. We could probably describe the world as wild because for real, it, it, it's, it's like the jungle these days. I mean... Like, what's going on? Different things are taking place. Tragedies every other week. Um, It's just an insane time that we live in. And so really, I, I believe that the church, I believe that Christians aren't just made to survive the wild, but we're actually built for the wild. We can thrive in the wild. We can overcome the wild. And we can actually go to the wild and change it. I don't think that Christianity is passive in any way because our, how we fight is not in flesh and blood. Amen. It is with prayer. It is with loving people. We go for people. And so tonight, we're going to continue this with a collection of talks with a message I've called Love in the wild. Hello. Love in the wild. So the first week, we had urgency in the wild. Talking about being urgency. Urgency provokes action. We don't have time to be passive and sit on our hands as Christians. We need to be going to people. We need to be out there loving people, right? And then we talked about how there is actually freedom in the wild. That as Christians, often, um, we don't literally walk out the freedom that God has for us. There's a lot of reasons why that is. Maybe because of sometimes we've heard it from other people that it's not possible. Maybe we've seen and experienced other things. But there is actually freedom 
freedom for us in the wild. We can leave with no chains. We can leave differently, all because of what God did, what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 some years ago, right? And last week we looked at how there is more in the wild. That for a lot of us, in my time in West Michigan, it's been about uh, almost seven, a little bit over seven years now. We were in Grand Haven for about seven years, pastoring a great church called Life Church out there. And then we've been out here since last June, uh, just planting this beautiful, incredible thing that we are believing for God to do. It's not a new thing. It's not even the next, or it is a new thing. We're believing for God to do a new thing. It's not the next thing. It's not even a better thing. We, we just believe that God has a new thing to do through Takeover Church in Grand Rapids. And so we've, we've been here. We're, we're doing this. This thing is incredible. But one of the things that I've learned in my time in West Michigan is that for a lot of Christians, it's unfortunate and it happens, I understand, because nobody told you or you didn't read the Bible for yourself or nobody uh, interpreted it properly to you. It's easy to go to church every Sunday, click in our religious card, serve on a team once every three months, give a solid, you know, $110 every two weeks, and be done with our Christianity. Like, for a lot of people, that's the extent of it. But there's actually more for you in this thing called following Jesus. There is more. God wants to do more. He wants to show up more. He wants to use you more. He wants to give you more. He wants to use you to do more and reach more and change everything. There's more in the wild. And so tonight, man, my throat is gone from worship. Our drummer right now, Steven, we call him Stevie Nicks. He's awesome. We love Stevie Nicks. This dude's at like a comic book convention this weekend, which I think is awesome. Good for you, man. And I just got to say this. I love Steven. I miss Steven. Tonight was wild. and We don't even, like, Stephen, come on, bro. The worship team did a great job. What a great job, man. I sang my heart out. I've never heard that song that we did uh, before Prayer and Praise there, Rusty. That's a good one. Is that Passion? Well, a few years. Okay. It's really good. Sorry for the random dialogue. But yeah, so Love in the Wild is the title of tonight's message. Will you turn to your name and just tell them there's love in the wild? Love. Tell them there's love. You got to say it just like that, that long O-V. Love, L-O-V-E-I-O-U, it's love in the wild. Now, in church, a lot of the times, um, specifically here, when you hear the word love, often um, we automatically, what do we think about? We think about love, right? We, thought, we think about marriages or relationships, or for some of us, we think about Disney. <laughs> I'm looking at you. I know you're out there. Hear love, you think of Disney. When I hear love... And I hope you're on board with me. I think of rom-coms and Gerard Butler. Am I alone? <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. So when I hear the word love, I always think of rom-coms, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It's great. Read it. It's basically gospel. Or read it. Watch it. It's basically gospel. It's fantastic. Uh, but when I think of the word love, and when I say the word love, for oft, often, most of us, our mind goes to relationships, right? It goes to in between two people. It goes into family. It goes into these things, people you have love for, you show love for, actual love like this in relationships. But the kind of love that I want to talk about tonight isn't the love between uh, two people, man and woman, whatever it is, relationships, marriage, whatever may have you. That's not the kind of love I want to talk about tonight. The love in the wild that I want to talk about tonight is the love that we have, that we have the ability to not only receive, but be a conduit to everybody else that we come across. 
And I know what you're thinking tonight. There's a chance that you, you might have heard a similar message and, and that this is another one of those rah, 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 go get them. Uh, go tell somebody about Jesus messages and you're absolutely correct, but you've never heard this. And I'm believing for God to do something great tonight because I believe we need more love in the wild. Because for right now, in the wild, there is a lot of relationship love. There's a lot of these things and that's good. I'm all for it. But how many of us are actually showing love for our neighbor, actually showing love for some strangers, actually showing some love for people who look differently than us, talk differently than us, live differently than us, vote differently than us, whatever it is. How many of us are actually out there actively showing love, giving love, receiving that love from God, and then being a conduit of that love to people? Because, man, Jesus did not come to just take part in Grand Rapids. Jesus has come to take over Grand Rapids. He is not interested in just being a Sunday check-in type of thing. He is interested in everybody that we encounter having the revelation that Jesus loves them emphatically more than they could ever mess up, than they could ever run the other direction. If God was, if God's chief concern was to leave you the way he found you, or to leave you living the same life, or to leave you on your own, he has had the entire time frame of life to run the other direction from you. But instead, when he had the opportunity to run away from you, he actually ran towards you. Am I telling anybody something tonight? Love in the wild. We have received this love. I'm going to read a scripture in a second about it. And we are to be a conduit and a giver of this love. Does that sound good? Fantastic. If you have your Bibles tonight, no, it's awesome. People before service came up to me and were like, hey, we feel led to uh, bless the church with Bibles. So if somebody gives their uh, heart to God at the end of the night and they don't have a Bible, you give them a Bible. If someone needs a Bible during service, we're going to give them a Bible. So praise God that he led some people in this place to get us some Bibles tonight. We don't have them tonight. They told me before service, but we're going to, and that's incredible, and I appreciate that. So tonight, if you don't have uh, a Bible on you, anybody got a Bible with them tonight? Wave it at me. Got a, I got some leatherbacks. I got a phone. I love it. There's a phone, another leatherback. Big old Bible in the back. Look, Dan and his little one. Dan, it's good to see you. So if you got your Bible tonight, if not, smartphone works, version works, Bible Gateway works, and if not... We're going to put it up on the big Bible right up here, but tonight we are coming out of Luke 7, 36 through 50. And I think I'm coming out of, I think I'm coming out of the NLT. I really like the NLT. So right here. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I love that. Jesus just went to this religious ruler dude's house and just like stretched out at his table, put his feet up like Jesus is here. It's good. Like I love that. He's so funny. A woman, a woman at that, in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So he, she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured her perfume on them. When the Pharisees who, have, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, if this man was half the prophet, if this man was half the prophet, he says he is, if this man was half the prophet, we say that he is, he would know who was touching him. He would know what kind of woman, what kind of filth, what kind of dirty sinner she is. And Jesus answered him and said, Simon, 
I have something to tell you. I love Jesus and his Jedi mind tricks. Just like, you think it's something, he just looks at you, fully man, fully God, and it's like, hey, I got something to tell you. I love it. And he goes, tell me, teacher, he said, verse 41, two people owed money to the same money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And he goes, Jesus goes, you have judged correctly. When he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45, you did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I have entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured her perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, this is important since tonight, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Man, that is some good news, right? Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Do you mind if we pray before we go any further? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for tonight, God. We thank you that you are not a far off God. You are not a God who is distant. But Jesus, you came just like we're going to celebrate next week and take over Easter, our first one. You came, you died, you rose again, you defeated hell, sin, death, and the grave. All of it, Jesus. So that we could have this moment and these relationships with you, God, where we can gather together as the church, Jesus. And we can lift up your name in songs and we can be together and talk about how great you are. And if we're going through it, God, we can get prayer. We can stand with each other. Jesus, we just thank you for what this is. This is not just another church service, Jesus. We don't have church for the sake of having church. We have it for the sake of experiencing you, Jesus. So thank you for what we've experienced of you so far, God. But we ask that you would do even more now. God, continue to move now. Holy Spirit, talk to us, change us, whisper, be loud at us. Whatever you got to do, Holy Spirit. But none of us are content as the same person we came in as. So we want to see you change us here tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church said. Amen. Amen. Did somebody sing that out? Amen. That was awesome. You can sign up for the worship crew out there. Young lady who's singing. You got it. I love this piece of scripture, right? I love Jesus. I, this whole series, we have really just talked about Jesus. Last, last week, we took a little detour and we talked about Paul. But man, Jesus is so good. And I, and I love how subtle he is. So here he is with Simon, who would later go on to become Peter. Everybody know Peter? I feel like we talk about Peter a lot. I love Peter. What's up, computer? It's all good. It's all good. Technical difficulties get behind me. But I love Peter. Because Peter is always giving Jesus trouble, right? So right now, Peter's still the same guy he was. And, and so Peter, we know, is uh, DJ drop my sword, DJ chop an ear off, DJ deny me three times, denate. Like, Peter has just got nicknames and aliases and personas for days, right? Peter's awesome. And so Jesus, he's talking to this guy, and, and there's this woman who comes in, and I, and I, and I love it because... Whenever Jesus is, is setting somebody free, uh, the Bible makes it very clear. Whoever's writing this makes it very clear. This person, whether it's the woman at the well or whoever it is, is a notorious sinner. This woman actually says 
was, was notable in the town for being a sinner. Imagine what you would have to be in 2018 for an entire community of people to label you something, right? So here's this woman. Jesus goes into her, uh, Jesus at his home, he's kicked back, he's got his feet up, and everybody is going, if you were this prophet, if you were the Messiah, if you were everything that you claimed to be, if these miracles were more than that, man, you would know who this woman is. You would know how terrible she is. You would know the filth that is rubbing your feet right now. This is what the religious rulers, the Pharisees, the religious oppressors, if you will, of the day. People with a lot of head knowledge of God, but not a lot of heart connection with Jesus, right? And so they're quoting all these things that they've been taught, and, and they're talking about this woman and how terrible she is. And Jesus just pulls that Jedi mind trick, right? And he looks right at him and says, I got something to tell you. He looks right at him and he says, if somebody owes me something, right, and another person owes me something, and one is very little, and another one is this soul-crushing college loan debt, right? Where's my college students at? God is good. He's faithful. You'll get there. It's okay. But there's these two people, and Jesus says, one is small, one is quite large. One could be depressing. The other one could be, eh, it's not that bad. I owe this, but it's all right. You know, I'll get it when I get it. And Jesus says, who of these two would appreciate the debtor canceling their debt? Completely forgiving it. Completely expunging, xing out the ledger. Who would appreciate it the most? And Peter rightfully answers, or Simon in the story at the time, he says, well, obviously the person who forgave, who was forgiven the most. And Jesus says, right you are, you have judged correctly. And then he says that little statement that I love. And we're going to build so much of tonight on this statement. I love it. It says, whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. And I love the story because... This woman had clearly heard about Jesus. She's heard about what he has done, and, 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 and it's still early in his ministry game at this moment. And, and she has heard all of these wonderful, incredible things that he has done. And, and so obviously that is what would compel somebody who is a notorious town sinner to go and break what is called an alabaster jar. Now, if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably heard about the alabaster jar, time or two, these things. Uh, one, you don't open them easily. Generally, people had to break them to do it. So here's this woman, notorious sinner. Jesus reclined in the house. She shows up. Jesus is here, and she straight up breaks this alabaster jar. If you know anything about alabaster jar perfume back in the day, it's mad expensive. This is probably this woman's prized possession. This is probably the thing that she's probably spent the most money on or protected the most, or maybe it was passed down to her. This is probably her most prized possession, and she can't help but weep and come to tears and come to the point of understanding how much she needs Jesus, so much so that she's not just compelled to wash Jesus' well-traveled feet. She is compelled to wash it with her tears, wipe it with her hair, and break what is possibly her most prized possession in honor and adoration and worship and praise of Jesus. This is this woman, a notorious sinner. While the Pharisees of the time are judging her, kicked back at the table with Jesus, not offering him any water to wash his feet. And here's this woman, notorious sinner. One of the things I want to point out real quick is this. 
much like Takeover Church, if you have been coming for any length of time, you'll hear this at probably every one of our services. I think Rusty said it tonight as well. We are a home for anybody and everybody. That is from the Pharisees to the saints to the sinners and everybody in between. Everyone is welcomed here. Everyone will be loved here. Everyone will be felt wanted here. And why? Because Jesus is able to be at a table with disciples, with Pharisees, and with sinners. This church is a home for anybody and everybody. And here's one of the things. I love this. He says, he who has been forgiven little loves little. I think for a lot of us, we haven't really put that much weight on this statement. I think it's something that gets passed over. I think, I think often in church we hear about it being about breaking the alabaster jar. and We hear about it being about this woman who was so compelled in the presence of Jesus and all of these things. And that's good and well. But I definitely think the meat of this piece of scripture, at least for tonight, at least for this time, for this season of Takeover Church, when it comes to being built for the wild, I think what God wants people to understand, not just in Takeover Church, not just in Grand Rapids Church, but in the church, he wants people to understand that he who is forgiven little ultimately usually loves little. But I don't think what Jesus is calling into question here is necessarily the people who show little love. I think what he's calling into question here is that sin is sin, no matter which way you twist it, that all have fallen short of the glory of God. You and I, I am not more holier than you because I am a pastor. You are not more holier than me because you've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. We are all on the journey with Jesus called the sanctification process. And this is not about how far we are on that journey. It's about our position and journey, which is we are hidden in Christ. Amen. Amen. And so all of us has fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us have issues in our lives. Sin just means to miss the mark. It's an archery term from back in the day. It means that you're looking, aiming for a bullseye perfect. But you actually hit below or higher or completely off the board if you're me in archery, that is. I can't even hit a target. I'm just telling you. It's bing. It's a ricochet. But all have fallen short of the glory of God. I think what Jesus is trying to say here tonight is that if we don't understand the actual weight and penalty and wage of our mishaps and our understandings and our situation of, not, I'm not saying like, I'm not talking about how we, we, we get to the end of the night and we write down every single little sin that we've done. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's not what this is about. This is not woe is me, depressed is me, I'm a dirty, filthy sinner. No, none of that. The Bible makes it quite clear that there is no condemnation, there is no shame, there is no guilt for anybody. Jesus is calling into this fucking question tonight. 
is that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody is in need of a Savior. Everybody is in need of forgiveness. It doesn't matter how many more marks on the chalkboard of sin that I might have than you do. Everybody needs a Savior. The other thing he's calling into question is this. Your level of understanding how much you've been forgiven of is directly related to how much love you were then able to put out. Some of us need to understand this tonight. That man, when Jesus went to the cross, it's not Easter message. Next, next Easter or this uh, next Sunday is going to be wild. It's going to be awesome. It is a live and wild weekend. We can't wait. It's going to be awesome. It's totally different. But one of the things I want to talk about on Palm Sunday is call into question, put underneath the limelight, this idea that some are worse than others because it's not true. Some of us tonight need to take a healthy check in the proverbial mirror that is the cross of Jesus, the great equalizer of all people, and understand that past, present, and future sin, anything that could happen, will happen, or has happened, has already been paid for, it is done, side still delivered, and it is no longer held against you, it's been held against Jesus. So in no way, shape, or form do you and I as Christians have any rights to take what has already been held against Jesus for other people and hold it against them ourselves. It is not our job to judge, it is our job to love. Love in the wild for a lot of us. We probably grew up in church, right? Some of us probably grew up in church. We grow up in church. Adrian, I don't have kids yet, but we're going to have some. It's going to be awesome. But for some of us, we grew up in church. We had these PKs back in Grand Haven that was wild. <laughs> Pastor's kids. Ugh. Lord, help Adrian and I to. Beat that appropriately. No kidding. Kidding. With the Bible, of course. But when you're raised in church, when you've been in church for a long time, and again, I find myself doing this, and we always get this rose-colored look in our eyes towards our own issues, our own situations, right? But when we look at everybody else, it's black and white. For me, it's, oh, it's all right. I, you know, I went to a couple parties in high school, but, you know, it was before Instagram and Facebook and all these things, and, and nobody really knew about it, right? There's a couple times where I might have done this. I was young, and right off, right? And so for us, it's easy to take account of our lives and put it as less than what other people have done. While look at the people outside our four walls, the wild, the world, the people who actually need to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that no matter what you're doing out there, what has happened, you are still welcome here, belong here, and everything that you are uh, beating yourself up over for has already been nailed to Jesus. Yeah. And so for us as Christians, in order to be the absolute best conduits of this love that we have received, we have to take a healthy look at what we've actually been forgiven for. You know, it's awesome because I think on the other side of this phrase, he who's forgiven little loves little, we can only test from that. That he was forgiven much, he loves much. That he was forgiven a lot, loves a lot, right? Ultimately, 
If I've been forgiven little, I'm going to show a little appreciation. Oh, it was just a little debt. It wasn't like altering debt. It wasn't like crushing debt. So when I'm forgiven of that, I'm fine. It's all right. Let's run up my crowd. It's cool. Yeah, you did me a solid. You forgave it. It's all right. But with its soul-crushing weight of the world, everything's on you. You're living paycheck to paycheck and barely making it by. Or maybe for a lot of people end up homeless. For us. But we love Thank you, guys. Can you make some noise for Dave? He's incredible. He and Jane, absolutely incredible. I think for a lot of us, though, I think for a lot of us, we, we look at that, how little we've done because we call ourselves Christians, and we judge that against the outside world when the outside world is needing you and I to take a look at the proverbial mirror of Jesus Christ and understand that we are the same. That the only thing that separates us right now is that you, that you and I are on a journey with Jesus and they aren't. But we need to get them on this journey with us. Because those who are forgiven of much, loves much. Those who are forgiven of little, love little. But what Jesus is calling into question is that sin is across the board the same. That the cross of Jesus is the great equalizer of all men. That everybody is welcome at the feet of Jesus. That everybody's sin is paid for. So sin isn't a matter, it's not a scoreboard that we check. I am better than they or they are ahead of me. This is I have sinned, you have sinned, but God's got us. We're going to be all right. Amen. And so I wonder, take over church, Grand Rapids. I wonder what our lives would look like if we lived like this. I wonder what our lives and our relationships and our marriages and our kids and our workplaces and all of these things, our bars that we hang out with, our cafes that we go to. I wonder what these places and these situations and these circumstances and relationships would look like if you and I lived this out every single day understanding that we have been forgiven is just as much. The only thing that separates us from anyone else is the love and life-changing blood of Jesus Christ. Because I wonder, in our relationships, whether it's with a spouse or with a, a boo thing. No? Okay. Six laughs. I'm trying. Sorry. Or with our workmates or our bosses. Or that family member, it's Christmas time and they have just done you wrong and you do not want to go to family Christmas because you don't even want to talk to them, you don't want to see them, nothing. But I wonder what our relationships would look like if we approached every single person understanding that I have been forgiven, that you have forgiveness available to you, and that what I feel you owe me has already been pinned to Jesus, so I have no right to be upset about this. I have the right to show you love. I wonder what our relationships would look like if that when we held somebody over, 
what they have done to us, their offense towards us, their hurt to us, if we let them go, for some, be completely, completely honest with you, keep it 100 with you, for some, they're not going to say thank you for moving on, thank you for forgiving me, thank you for still wanting to have a relationship with me. More often than not, that probably won't be the response that your forgiveness elicits. But I can tell you this, without that forgiveness there, that relationship can never be reconciled. I wonder what Grand Rapids would look like if we approach the people in this city, and I'm not talking about the Blue Bridge, I'm talking about the actual places in this city, everywhere else. I love the Blue Bridge, it's great, Selfie Paradise, holler, it's great, love it, Blue Bridge is great. But I'm talking about everywhere else in Grand Rapids, the faceless and nameless people that we pass by when we're going to get Madcap Coffee. The streets that we're driving through to get from downtown to 28th Street, there's this whole other area here. What would Grand Rapids look like if you and I approached it as I know that I need Jesus and I know that you need Jesus, so let's just bring Jesus to some people and we'll see some lives actually changed. Because instead of saying this city is filthy and this city has this going on and these people are this and I'm not going to associate with them, Suddenly, when we know how much has been given to us, how much blood has been shed for us, what the price on the cross was actually for us, then the price of embarrassment and the price of time to talk to somebody and the price of a conversation maybe not going the way we want it to is little, if not nothing. Because God paid the ultimate price sending Jesus to die a death that he did not deserve, that Matt McClure deserved, also that I could have a relationship with him. And then not only that, I have this relationship with him and you have this relationship with him, but now he actually wants to use you in this greater plan called reconciling the world and for us, reconciling Grand Rapids back onto himself. So now we are not just the ones forgiven of debt, we are now actually supposed to bring people to the debt expunger. God's not in the business of collecting debts. He's already done that in the person of Jesus. There is love in the wild. I wonder what our lives would look like if we lived like this every single moment of every single day. I'm not talking about perfection. We're on a journey here. Perfection is not the goal. Behavior isn't even the goal. Behavior matters. Striving to be more like Jesus matters. But this thing called following Jesus is actually about, it's not about behavior modification. It's about soul transformation. It's about getting us in line with Jesus. Amen. And so what would our lives look like? What would our worship look like? What would our worship look like if we lived like this? I have been forgiven much, so I love much. Would we come in the church? Rusty, what was that song? Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how... Right. And then if we actually stood in church. He is our portion and he is our prize. Drawn to redemption by the grace. In his eyes, the guy's pants are tight. In Jesus, that's <laughs> Oh, he changed how he loves to how you love. I don't even know the song now. Uh, well, 
What would our worship look like if we understood that Jesus paid a price for us that we could not pay? There was a law. There was a, a, a decree and a way to, to sacrifice and do these things and stay away from this and stay away from that and all these things. There was these ideas to try and do it, but there was no way it could be fulfilled. And so the fulfillment came in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so now you and I, imagine what our worship looks like. We're in the front row. We're not just in the back row. We're fighting for the front row because we won't be next to the subwoofers because we want the Holy Spirit to hit us in the face and we're losing our ever-loving mind for Jesus every Sunday for every song even if we don't know it because he is worthy because he has done it because he went to the cross already imagine our worship if he never did another thing for us we could worship like he's done everything for us because he has he secured it all when he went to the cross amen if we never saw another breakthrough you best believe he's done enough because my soul is good my future is decided and I have purpose and my past doesn't define me I have been grace to go forward grace to the future this is the love that we are called to be the conduit of. If you saw my Instagram page, this isn't a plug. When I was writing this message this week and I was reading the story about this notorious sinner. You can follow me. We'll be friends. It's cool. I posted this picture and it was of these three ladies. These three African-American ladies. There's a picture taken in the 1940s. These ladies had a sign that said, we shall win by love. These ladies weren't just fighting for equal pay or the right to vote. A lot of these ladies were protesting for their lives. For their lives to, to have equality across the board. For the right and the freedom to live unharassed and unpersecuted simply because of the color of their skin or the fact that they are a woman. And these ladies in the midst of this decided to write up a sign. It could have said anything else. And it said five words, we shall win by love. And this picture messed me up. Because it was in 1940. Here we are all these years later the world looks the way it does and these terrible things are happening. Saturday, we had March for Our Lives all across this country. And if there is a pastor in church on a Sunday today that is not talking about this, I would like to have a stern conversation with him. Because these things matter. People matter. Lives matter. This isn't about political statements. This isn't about amendments. This is about the equality that every single person, woman, color, creed, tongue, tribe, whatever it is, every single person is now equal because of what Jesus did on the cross. My freedom, your freedom, those women's freedom, the people outside these doors, their freedom isn't contingent upon a declaration of independence. Their freedom is contingent because of Easter, because of Jesus, because of what he did on the cross. I love this country. I love this place. I love the, the gifts and freedom and the rules that I'm allowed to abide by because I recognize there's people in China having church underground so that they can have a relationship with Jesus and not lose their lives for it. So I'm grateful. 
And I'm not about to make some political statement here. If you want to talk about this, you can see me after class. That's cool. But understand, friends, make no mistake about it. We will win this fight by love. It's not by passing legislature, although that's great. I'm all for it. Let's do it. It's not by rallies, although I'm all for it. Had I been more informed, you best believe that I would have been there yesterday. And that's my fault. I wish I would have known. I saw it happening live on Twitter, and it was incredible. I didn't even know Grand Rapids was having one. I just thought it was in Washington. But I would have been there. That's not a, that's not a takeover statement. That's a mass statement. Because people's lives, they matter. Their futures, they matter. I love this place. I'm debating where I want to go right now. I love this place. But every single person here has been created for a purpose, for an assignment. And God went to the cross to secure that purpose and that assignment and that life and that hurt and that heart and that soul. The idea in the church, it's mostly regulated to the American church. That this is about rules and regulations and dressing up and acting right and, and pretending to be something that you ain't. The church of Jesus Christ, takeover church, this is a come as you are and we mean it kind of church. Because Jesus went to the cross for who you are in hopes of who you will be. Right. And so in a time, in a place where all lives matter but not all lives are in check, friends, not all lives are under fire, friends. We're going there. In a time and place that you best believe Christians need to rally together because there are people on both sides of this issue that need you and me. And they don't need you and me really for the sake of us. They need you and me to bring that package of love and acceptance and wanting and future and hope to some people who are clearly fractured and broken and hurting. There's love in the wild. You and I have received it. We have been forgiven of so much. If you knew my past, if you knew my last five years, you would say Matt has been forgiven of much. And chances are, I would say the same back to you. We are in the same boat. We are on the same path. We are on a journey following Jesus. And we do not have the right to reserve or hold back this love, this hope that we have. The Bible says a hope to the anchor of our soul. In Jesus Christ, we have a hope from anybody. And so this church... The line that we draw in the sand is that we are for people, we are not against people. The line that we draw in the sand, 
You don't gotta you don't gotta you don't gotta check your past at the door when you come in. You don't gotta check your mistakes at the door when you come in. You can come just as you are, and you are gonna be shown love, and you are gonna be accepted, and you're gonna be wanted. And this altar and this place of worship and these chairs and that food and this building and all of this is made available for every single person who would say they want to experience Jesus. There's love in the wild, friends. And tonight, I want to challenge every single one of us. Does this sound good? What would our lives look like? What would the lives of the people around us look like if you and I decided to take up our cross, take up our call, live with reckless abandonment without self-entitlement? Oh, they hurt me. They don't look like me. They don't go to my church. They ain't even know Jesus. Oh no, they're just, they're just, they're just asking for money so they're going to buy drugs with it. We lose the self-entitlement. We, check, we can check the self-entitlement at the door all day. But we lived with this reckless abandonment, this love for Jesus that makes us know and understand that there is not a single thing that separates us from them other than that we have hope and they don't currently, but that they need hope and we have it and so we can bring it to their front door. This country will not change by a legislature. It's a nice dream and I like it. I want people in places of power and politics who love Jesus. I mean really love Jesus. I want that more than anything. Believe me, friends, I do. I think God wants that. These mass shootings, these things that are taking place, God is the first one to shed a tear. More than shedding a tear, he shed blood of Jesus on the cross. He felt everything that we are going to go through. He took the penalty of sin and death, went to hell, defeated it all, so that you and I can bring this love that he paid for to the streets and for the people who need it the most. This is the time. It's changing. But it's not going to change if we're silent. And it's not going to change if we just get in our prayer closets about it. I love praying. Let's do it. Let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for those who are hurting. I'm all for it, friends. But there is one thing that is going to bring any sort of lasting, life-altering, significant change to people and this place. And it's Jesus. And chances are, if you read the Bible, you read Revelations, you know that it's going to get a lot worse. It's going to get more wild. But just because the wild keeps going doesn't mean that you and I don't get going. If the wild goes, we go. If mass shootings go, we go. If hurt and depression and anxiety and teenage suicide goes, we go. There is not a single place that Takeover Church will avoid. Whatever light avoids, darkness invades. And so Takeover Church is the light. You and I are the light from the back to the front row. We are the light of Jesus. And there is not a single place, person, color, creed, tribe, tongue, confession that you and I will abstain from. We will go to the dark places in Grand Rapids, the places that we shouldn't be seen. And we are going to shine a light for Jesus because change needs to come. Yeah. Worship team, if you would like to make your way back up here, we won't get worshiping again in a moment. We like to end with a song here at church, but I'm not quite finished yet. God is offering every single one of us the chance to live this life fully alive. John 10.10. 10. 
Jesus says that the thief came, the devil, the enemy, came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come so that you may have life and life to the full. A fully alive Christian is one who is walking and fully knowing they're forgiven. A fully alive Christian is one that is dangerous and says that even when I don't do what God wants, I'm the one that God wants. A fully alive Christian is one that's going to the streets that even when the city doesn't look like what God wants, it's the city that God wants. And I love Jesus. Because Jesus, he had his disciples and he had his boys and it wasn't long of walking with Jesus he finally sent these boys out in two he said Peter would still go on to chop a guy's ear off and God Jesus would have to clean up his mess and Peter would still go on to deny him and doubting Thomas would still go on to doubt these disciples who walked closely with Jesus every single day would still go on to make mistakes to not always get it right, to still miss the mark. And that tells me that the heart of God is not that we would be perfect because perfect went to the cross for us already. It is that we would have a relationship with him because in that relationship is the power. In that relationship is our purpose. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we have to clean up or act right to tell somebody else about Jesus. In fact, it says that when we are weak, then we are strong. So you might not feel good tonight about yourself. Other Christians might have made you feel like you don't have any right to speak up or talk. Your life isn't cleaned up. You don't act like a Christian. How can you tell somebody they need to go to church? Because I need Jesus. And I think they need Jesus. And I think all of us need Jesus. Yeah, but you haven't been clean that many days. You're still living with your boyfriend and you just started going to church. You don't even know what you're talking about. Nowhere is there a qualifier in Scripture other than following Jesus to go and tell somebody that there is hope and that there is love available to him, to her, to them. You and I, friends, we have a responsibility tonight and every night going forward every day to tell somebody that they are loved and that they are treasured, that they are God's masterpiece. That even when tragedy and hurt and, and brokenness and things happen in their lives and their whole world seems like it's falling apart, there's still hope and there's still Jesus and God still wants you. Doesn't matter your doubt doesn't matter your situation that you shall struggle with. doesn't matter what life you're still coming out of. Jesus is the God for the journey. Takeover Church is the church for the journey. We are not going to see things change, friends, by anything other than love. I'm not going to change. You're not going to change. The city's not going to change. Oakdale, Boston Square, Madison's not going to change. Washington's not going to change. Without love. We shall win by love. We will win 
by love. We have overcome by love. We can be better because of love. We have hope because of love. You and I have a tomorrow and a purpose and a future from the creator of the universe by love. So if you're in this place tonight, if I could just get everybody's heads to bow down and eyes to close. We don't do this because it's the religious way of doing things. We do this so that you have privacy, so that you know you're not being judged, that other people aren't looking around. That I am the only one with my eyes open right now. And my eyes are open so that in just a moment, you might like me to pray over you. If you're in this place and you didn't know or you were uncertain that you had a future, that you had any hope, that you had any reason to continue to live, if you're in this place and you didn't know how incredibly and emphatically and forcefully you are loved, Jesus was not in that house to meet with those Pharisees. He was in that house because that woman was coming and she needed freedom. God is in this place right now for your freedom. So if you're in here and you want to you want to begin to follow Jesus. I hate saying start a relationship because Jesus already started that relationship with you by going to the cross. He's made it available. It's already started. He's been pursuing you. You might not have known it, but man, he has been pursuing you. Lady, he has been pursuing you. He wants you. He is good. He is faithful. And so if you're in this place tonight and you would like to pick up that relationship with Jesus and begin to follow him, walk in this love that's available to us in the wild that when the world is in chaos you can have peace when death comes to your home and you get a bad doctor's report you can have peace and you can have good news and you can have a community of people around you who are going to love you and see it through with you if that's you tonight and you would like to begin this relationship with Jesus maybe it's for the first time ever maybe it's the first time that you want to get real and open and honest with God and fully give him your life or maybe you used to walk with Jesus and well life happened and things happened and choices happened and you felt shamed or condemned or whatever it may be but hope is alive for you today your future is alive for you today this relationship is available to you today and you can pick up right where you left off with Jesus if that's you would you just put your hand up right now if there's anybody in here tonight like to start this relationship, continue on with this relationship, pick it right back up. Jesus, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this church, God. I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house tonight, God. I ask that you would just continue to move in and through your people's lives, God. Speak to us, change us, make us look more like you, God. But give us the boldness and the confidence, God, to go forward, Jesus, into the streets and into the dark areas, not to avoid anything, God, but to run to those things that are avoided. Run to the places that have been marginalized. Run to the people who have been forsaken. Run to the faceless and the famous. 
everybody would have Jesus. God, use your people. Send us out. Holy Spirit, remind us, urge us, provoke us daily, God, to share your hope and your delight in your people. I thank you for this church, and I thank you for this time. In Jesus' mighty name, Faithful Church said, Church, we're going to begin worshiping.